Ciao, ciao, everybody, and surprise, it's the first bonus episode of the Jalo Ciao Ciao podcast. So, as you may have noticed, some of our episodes lately have been getting rather long. And I appreciate the fact that our listeners are ready and willing to digest a three or four hour episode on one specific film. At least that's what I think. I haven't received any communication to the contrary. So Al and I are going to continue to talk about these films at the pace that works for us. But as I was editing episode 96, I did realize after we were getting close to the fifth hour of discussion that it might be a good idea to trim the episode down a little bit. What I trimmed out was about a half hour discussion that Al and I had on an article published on MovieWeb.com titled The 10 Greatest Slasher Movies of the 1980s. Now, the list is a little bit controversial, as you will hear once we get into it. But I figured slasher, giallo, horror, Italian cinema, we all kind of love all these things. And I didn't think that this discussion should end up in the recycle bit. So we're offering it up now as a bonus episode. I'm not going to do the whole intro with the ha 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 and everything. We're just going to go right into it. So please enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. I found an article that popped up in my newsfeed called The 10 Greatest Slasher Movies from the 1980s. And I know that this is a 1970s Jalo podcast and slasher movies from the 1980s are pretty much Canadian and American. But, you know, slashers were influenced by Jalo films. And I thought that this would be kind of a cross-pollination discussion. Um, and it's a Kind of a controversial list. Uh, it's on movieweb.com. I'll put a link in the show notes for it. And I love these articles that have top 10 lists because, and when I say love, I, I say it in a sarcastic kind of way because I feel like nowadays, and I, you can tell me, Al, what you think. But I feel like nowadays there's this push to constantly be putting out content and have something new to, to feed to people who have news, news reels or, you know, news feeds for their browsers or Reddit or whatever. And um, the people who write these things... And, you know, especially when you're doing a list, like, okay, we're going to go to number 10 and there's going to be like a paragraph written about number 10. And most of the time it's just fluff. Um, right. And I also, I often wonder like at some point, you know, you're going to have, you know, pro, you know, applications like chat GPT writing these things instead of actual humans, because I think Chat GPT could write a better article than this one. Um, mm -hmm. Although I skimmed, I skimmed through a lot of it. So I don't know. Um, when these things pop up in my newsfeed, uh, especially if it has something to do with Jallo or horror or Italian films, 
I usually pay attention to them and say, you know, is this something that's worth discussing on the podcast? So um, we'll try it and see. Okay. Yeah, I think a lot so, of these types of lists, like I noticed a few years ago with uh, Rolling Stone magazine, they'll put out, you know, ever so often they put out the, the 100 greatest whatevers, like albums or songs or guitar players. And I think on purpose, they put some things in the ranking that were designed to generate conflict and discussion, quote unquote among the readership just to get people right. talking about the list. Yes. Uh, definitely. And that was before clickbait was even a term that anybody understood or had ever heard. And I could see that now, I mean, just looking at this list and seeing, uh, what they have is number 10 compared to what they have is number one. I think right. they're probably trying to get some attention <laughs> with their list. I I agree. Absolutely. Um, and I think you're right. You know, when you talk about Rolling Stone's article of, you know, the best songs of all time, you basically say, okay, um, number one is probably going to be uh, a day in the life by the Beatles from the Sgt. Pepper album. Right. It's, it always has been like everyone has agreed that, you know, all the people that, that contribute to these lists agree that that's the best song ever written. I mean, everybody has their own opinion, obviously, but I think the consensus used to be that. And then yeah. they started putting out articles where that wasn't number one anymore. And like you said, it's probably just to get people discussing things and like, you know, the top hundred guitar players, what Hendrix isn't number one. What do you mean? You know, it's not Eddie Van Halen. What do you mean? So, um, <laughs> exactly. It's gotta be one of those two. Um, so yeah, in this list, and we don't have to stop and talk about every one of these films unless there's one that you really want to talk about, but the the 10th one on the list is the original Friday the 13th, which I think should be up a little higher. What do you think? And that should be way higher. Okay. Um, I mean, it's... Well, compared to some of these other... there Literally, there are films on here I've never heard of, and I'm not somebody who you know, did not spend my teenage years watching horror movies. Right. <laughs> uh, number eight, I've never heard of. Uh, number eight is uh, the, oh, the Prowler. The Prowler is a really good movie. You should definitely watch that. Okay. Well, I just, yeah, I, I, I recommend it. the Prowler. I think the Prowler should be higher than eight. Friday the 13th part one is number 10. Halloween part two shouldn't even be in the list. That movie's terrible. Um, well, they couldn't again, put one because that was in 79. Right. So, that's like, true. They that's had true. to rip it somehow. Yeah. So and the they category sure as hell were going to put part three. Yeah. I don't know. I think part three is better than part two, even though it has nothing to do with Michael Myers. But That's true. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing is, okay, the title of the article, the big word in the title is greatest. Mm-hmm. It's not most entertaining. It's not most influential. Greatest is such a, you know, generic word that everybody can argue about. If you wanted to say the most, the 10 most influential slasher movies of the 1980s, certainly Friday 13th part one is at the top of the list. So, right. um, 
But yeah, The Prowler, I would recommend for sure. Slumber Party Massacre is number seven. I never saw that. Um, did you ever see that one? I don't remember. So maybe not. And the, the guy with a really long drill bit. Yeah, I I don't know if I remember the big long drill bit from that or from De Palma's body double. So maybe he was ripping that Oh, off. okay. Now it says in the write-up for this movie that um, the screenplay was written by well-known feminist, novelist, and poet Rita Mae Brown and directed by Mystic Pizza scribe. I'm assuming that means... Amy Holden uh, was the screenwriter for Mystic Pizza. So um, it's an interesting um, idea that you have two well-known um, pro-feminine filmmakers who made a slasher film in 1982. It's probably worth watching just because of that context, but I've, I've never seen it. So, yeah, I may, yeah, I may, that's an interesting concept just by itself. Yeah. Especially at that time period. Like I can understand, you know, a pro female slasher film coming out in, you know, in, in modern times, but in 82, um, that might've like, been pretty revolutionary. All things considered. And the killer is running around with the most phallic tool <laughs> in the garage. Can't be an accident. Exactly. <laughs> no, it's not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. Okay. Um, so let's see here. Next one on the list is my bloody Valentine, which, um, I have to admit to everyone listening. We did a podcast on my bloody Valentine. We were doing, um, an episode of films influenced by Giallo. And mm -hmm. I think happy birthday to me was one of them. Pieces was one of them. And then we did my bloody Valentine and, um, I don't remember watching it. I don't remember. I have to go back and listen to the podcast because I don't know if I contributed very much to, <laughs> to the podcast because I don't remember watching it. I think I remember like falling asleep, but wow. um, I don't so think I don't I've ever seen that, it either. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that deserves to be on the list. Um, number five, the house on sorority row. Um, again, Maybe we shouldn't be covering this list because we can't, we're not really well informed enough. Because I, there's, you know, between Slumber Party Massacre, My Bloody Valentine, and House on Sorority Row, um, I can't comment on any of those films because I never saw them. So, okay. Well, I've seen the next one, uh, number four uh, Maniac. Yeah. With Joe yeah. Spinell. Have you seen that? Yep. Yes, and that yeah. one's really that one's a real creepy movie. Yeah, that's a less fun slasher to watch. Yeah, but it's very effective. Definitely, and Carolyn Monroe's in it. So, yep. Yeah, I, I, and I think didn't I think didn't Tom Savini do the effects for that one too? We were talking about. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about Nightmare last episode, and I think he did the uh, effects for this one. There's a scene in Maniac where. The Joe Spinelli character, I think, shoots somebody um, in the head. Like he, he has some sort of rifle and shoots the guy like through the back of the window of his car 
or something. Mm-hmm. And there's like a real gory head explosion thing that, yeah. Um, I think it was probably a, another version of what they did in uh, Dawn of the Dead. There's a scene in Dawn of the Dead where the uh, the SWAT team's coming down the steps and they kick open the door and there's a guy standing there and they just blow his head off. Um, even though he's probably not a zombie, he was just like a normal guy. Yeah. That was in the beginning of that movie. But anyway, um, did you know that there was a remake of maniac starring the fucking guy from Lord of the Rings, I think. Yeah. Frodo, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was, that was stunt casting. He's trying to not be typecast as a little fantastical creature, I guess. But yeah, I have a copy of that, but I never watched it. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Here you go. It's from 2012. Okay. I mean, it might be good, but I heard somebody comparing it to the original on a podcast and they didn't seem to think it held up as good as the original, but yeah, well, kind of hard. Yeah. I mean, it it could be amazing, but I don't know. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Might be worth a watch. Uh, Number three, we have Friday the 13th part two. Now I would certainly switch that with number 10 and put Friday 13th, the original up this high, but Mm -hmm. um, Friday 13th part two is pretty entertaining. And I guess the idea here is that this was the first movie where Jason was a thing. Right. Um, Because, you know, not to spoil anything for anybody who was just born yesterday, but Friday 13th (laughs) part one, uh, it's the mother who did all the killing. Mm -hmm. Um, And in part two, it's Jason. So, um, and was it in part two or later that he adopted the hockey mask? Hockey mask came in part three. Okay. In part two, he wears like a, a, a bag over his head. Yeah. Uh, with, with one eye cut out. And in part three, if I remember correctly, he kind of walks through the film unmasked until really? the yeah, until and you don't really see him too often. Like there's a very split every once in a while there's a split second of the top of his head or the back of his head and you can tell he's not wearing anything over his head. Yeah. But there's a scene where um he I'm trying to remember who he kills. There's a there's an overweight kind of comedic um comic relief character in Friday 13th part three. And he's the one who's, he's got like prosthetics and he pretends to be dead and all this other stuff. And he, um, there's a scene where he's trying to like impress this girl and he comes out of the lake. Like she's sitting on the dock of the lake and he comes out of the lake and he's wearing a hockey mask and he grabs her by the foot and she starts to scream and you think it's Jason but it's really just him and she's all pissed off at him. You know, like, why do you do these stupid things? And then he ends up dying off screen. Jason kills him in some way, like slits his throat or something. And Jason, um, I guess picks up the mask and puts it on. And then in the, in the next scene, you see Jason who's standing out, by the lake and the same girl still standing out there. 
and he's got this like harpoon gun <laughs> and he's wearing the mask <laughs> and she's, she sees him, but she still thinks it's Shelly. I think his name was, um, she still thinks it's the guy who was playing a joke on her. So she's like, come on, stop it, stop it. And then all of a sudden he shoots the harpoon gun and it ends up right in her eyeball. Wow. And of course in 3d. And so know, from there, he just decided to keep the hockey mask. He kept the hockey mask. Yep. And, wow. um, at the end of that film, this is why part three is one of my favorites. I don't know why it, it may be part nostalgia. Cause I saw it when I was a little kid. Um, there's this, Towards the end of that movie, the one girl who manages to escape being murdered, she hits him in the head with an axe and it, you know, she, she breaks through the plastic of the mask into his head. And then with the axe still embedded in his head, he starts to lunge after her like a zombie. And then he passes out or conks out on the ground. And then that's when you think that he's dead for sure. Uh-huh. But once part four starts, like it doesn't make any sense because they, in part four, <laughs> they carried his body to the morgue. Right. Um, but he escapes the morgue cause he's not really dead and he kills the two hospital workers, but he still has his mask. So I don't know. Why would they put him, you know, I, I don't remember whether he found his mask and put it back on or he found another one, but it still has the ax mark in it from the previous episode or it's, it's I don't know. And yeah, just go with it. I, I know too much about these films. It's terrible. So anyway, part two of Friday the 13th, if I had to pick my favorite one, it's probably part one simply because it's just the most, you know, original, but part four was pretty good. Part four had, um, the guy who plays, uh, uh, George McFly from, uh, Back to the Future. I forget what his name is. Uh, like, a, like a decent actor. Now it's been a while since I've seen Back to the Future. So, uh, played by Crispin Glover. There you go. Oh, okay. I didn't know he was in one of those. Yeah, so Crispin, Crispin Glover is in Friday 13th Part 4. Um, as well as that kid from... Uh, I think he was in Stand By Me. He plays the Jason, the little kid Jason. Uh, one of the Corys. Yes, Corey Feldman. Yeah. Yeah. So Corey Corey Feldman is also in Friday Thirteenth Part Four. <laughs> it's okay. like uh, if you thought Kevin Bacon was bad in uh, Part One. <laughs> All right, moving on to number two, Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Um, I wouldn't put it at number two. It's a great movie. And um, the write-up in the article says, before Freddy Krueger became, became campy or began to spit out cheesy one-liners, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street gave horror fans and lovers a vicious and murderous clawed slasher who stalked the kids on Elm Street. Um I remember him being campy and having cheesy one-liners in the original, to be honest. Um, hmm. It was definitely a lot scarier, though, than what came after. Um, Freddy was 
I, and I saw Nightmare on Elm Street in the theaters, which just goes to show you how bad my parents were for letting <laughs> me go. Because, um, let's see, I was 11. Wow. I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd take my 11 year old to see Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's different, uh, different kind of world we live in. Yeah. What's your, what's your history with those movies? Did you watch any of them? The first one I saw was Dream Warriors, which I think oh, was yeah. three. Yep, part three. And I think I was 16 or 17. We saw that at the theater. And honestly, half the reason I went was because I heard Dokken did the soundtrack. And <laughs> I was uh, a fan, not so much a Dokken fan as a George Lynch fan, the guitar player. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... uh so my buddy and I went, and I thought it was just going to be like kind of a straightforward slasher because I'd seen Halloween and a couple of the Friday the 13th. And I thought the campy, cheesy, one-liner, stupid joke stuff was amazing at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I kind of worked backwards from there. I think uh, at the video store, we rented two, and then I rented one, and two I didn't like so much. Yeah. One, I remember being more serious than yeah. three. And I think I went to see four when it came out, which was, uh, I don't know, Dream something else, I think. <laughs> but um, that was where I kind of fell off because I was just kind of over the whole Freddy thing. And yeah. it had become such a pop cultural icon at the time that, you know, kind of what's the point, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, the idea of like, here's this guy, this maniac who killed a whole bunch of kids when he was alive Mm -hmm. and the people in the town got together and they burned him to death. And now for some reason, he's able to um, stalk people in their dreams. And if he kills you in your dream, you actually die in real life in the first movie there's this really disturbing scene where and johnny depp is in the original also um and oh and john saxon's in it too he's the dad also the cop and the dad that's right um but there's a scene in the first one where um do you remember uh better off dead with john cusack yeah So the girl who plays his girlfriend in Better Off Dead, I think she's in Nightmare on Elm Street. And she's like one of the first um, victims. Let's see what's her name. I'm going to... I'll edit through this because we're talking... Amanda Amanda Weiss. W-Y-S-S. I'm pretty sure she was in Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. She was also in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, she was Judge Reinhold's girlfriend right. in Fast Times. Yeah, huh. she was definitely on in Nightmare on Elm Street. Anyway, um, just a little bit of trivia. So there's a scene in the first movie where she gets killed by Freddy. Um, and it's really kind of disturbing because um, there's this kind of unseen force in the bedroom and 
you know, her, her, her clothes get ripped off. And then the next thing you see like four long cuts across her chest where Freddie's fingernails went, but you know, you didn't see them because it was happening in her dream. Right. And then the next thing that happens is, you know, they open the door to the bedroom and the only person that's in there besides the dead girl is her boyfriend. And so he goes to jail. Um, but anyway, uh, that one, yeah, you're right. That one is definitely more serious, more disturbing. And I think that's why it's on this list. But, um, part three dream warriors has become like kind of a cult classic. Yeah. Um, a lot of people go to see that because it's somewhat dumb and, and fun. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, now for number one, I think, you know, this falls into the category of, they really want people to, to have some discussion here. Uh, a film called <laughs> April fool's day from 1986, which I saw in the theaters. Um, I really liked it, but, uh, number one, I don't think I'd put it in the top 10, but did you ever see this? I did not. But I remember hearing about it when I came out because it seemed like, especially after Halloween, and then very soon after that, you get Friday the 13th, and then you get, uh, well, My Bloody Valentine, and then you get Happy Birthday to Me. It was like they're trying to make horror movies based on any <laughs> special day on the calendar. Right. <laughs> and April Fool's Day, I was like, come on, enough already. And yeah. Okay, this is like way kind of well, this is kind of a tangent. When the when Bill Murray's film Groundhog Day came out, I made a joke right. to somebody, what is that, a fucking horror movie? You know, like is that like a, a goof on a slasher? And obviously it's not. It's, it's a great film. But right. it got to the point where you could just tell these producers were flipping through the calendar looking for anything that they could turn into <laughs> a horror movie. Arbor Day, yeah, like yeah, trees yeah. come to life or you know, and so I, I did not see that. And <laughs> now let me, let me say April Fool's Day is a good film and I will not spoil it because it is one of those films that you do not want spoiled for you mm. if you watch it. Um, but what else was I about? I don't know if I can say anything else now. <laughs> um, it's very entertaining. And... The only thing that I can say is, you know how like Scream kind of brought back the slasher by kind of making it um, self-deprecating, like making fun of itself? Yeah, um, it was very meta about yeah. slashers. I think April, April Fool's Day is really the first one of those. So if you watch it knowing that, you know, it, this is kind of probably what influenced the Scream people to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I mean, besides the normal slashers, this one is, um, yeah, it definitely has a lot of twists in it and it's fun. It's, 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 uh, an entertaining film. Uh, it's a party film. I always say it's a party film. I never have a party and watch movies, so I don't know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about, but, <laughs> Um, well, just yeah, judging I mean, from the title, I would expect that one of the twists is going to be, it was all a prank. I, I cannot confirm okay. nor deny what you're saying. So. And if that's the case, then there would have to be like a, a double twist where 
you as the audience think, oh, okay, it was all a prank. And then it turns out, oh, it wasn't a prank. But then it just keeps flip-flopping between those two, I guess. It's like an interrobang. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say that April Fool's Day does not have as many twists as interrobang, but... Um, how could I, it? You know what I mean? I don't think a bag of pretzels has as many twists <laughs> as in Terrible. You should and I'm still waiting for that Blu-ray, by the way. <laughs> you should definitely like go on to all of the websites that allow you to write reviews. Mm-hmm. And um, that should be your tagline for this movie. I don't <laughs> think a bag of pretzels has as many twists as this movie. <laughs> okay. I don't think... Uh, I don't think the Jack Rabbit Slim scene in Pulp Fiction has as many twists <laughs> as in Terrorbang. <laughs> so anyway, I definitely would not agree with this list. I I would um I don't know if I'd put April Fool's Day on the list, but again, and I take Halloween 2 out of there, but I also need to proceed with caution because um there's three films on here that I have never seen or I don't remember seeing. So I may add those in and uh, see if I feel differently about it next time we talk. So. Okay. Well, I wonder if we snooped around on movieweb.com, if they would have a list of Jolly or if they even know what a Jolly is. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did have a, we did have an article a few episodes back by collider.com. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if movie web uh, is as as cool. Let's just type in the word Jalo and see what happens. Um, Jalo, the best of the horror movie subgenre ranked. Oh, oh boy, should. I we... shouldn't have I shouldn't have looked at this. Yeah, this is a six hour episode. All of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's put let's put a pin in that for next time. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was that. We may include that. We may not. So there you have it, everybody. That was a discussion of the 10 greatest slasher movies of the 1980s. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes if you want to read it yourself. As always, I want to thank everybody for listening to our podcast and contributing to the discussion on Facebook. Speaking of our Facebook page, the voting is still open for which film we are going to cover on the next episode of the Jalo Chow Chow podcast. The choices are Naked Violence from 1969, or The Third Eye from 1966. If you're not a Facebook person, you can always go to Reddit and look up the poll on the subreddit r slash jalo. I will be totaling up the votes at the end of this week in preparation for the recording of episode 97. So please head over to the Facebook page or the jalo subreddit and cast your vote. Expect that episode to be out in the beginning of September. As always, please reach out to us if you want to through the Facebook page or at our email address, which is jallochowchow at gmail.com. And of course, you can find my website at thejallowscore.com. So until next time, everybody, hang loose, 
Enjoy the rest of the summer and ciao, ciao.